We are connected. We're going to have some music, and we're going to get started. Tax the rich, feed the poor, tell there are no rich no potted down get off into the two hours together here on wednesday uh excuse me november the fourth and no excuse me november the second boy i'm already screwed up here this morning november the second can't get the day right uh roger sales your host we are on the euro folk radio network radio ranch is the name of our little get together and uh, we're happy to have all these fine folks here on the jitsi board joining us live and those of you who are listening live and those of you who are listening, the great majority more than likely listen in the podcast form, which is certainly fine. Um, so let's see, how do we start? I guess the first thing on the plate this morning is uh, that's certainly uh, suitable for discussion is this uh, article that I think showed up yesterday. I don't believe we knew about it when we were together yesterday in our time slot here, but uh, the article that appeared in Atlantic Magazine, who is, you know, a lefty uh, commie rag that is owned by, I believe, Steve Jobs' widow. So Apple funds the Atlantic, and uh, they're asking for amnesty, COVID amnesty, COVID amnesty. Forgive and forget. Yeah, well, neither one of those are going to happen. That's uh, right. And uh, I, I wonder when this breaks, at some point, whenever it's going to break, if they're going to ask for amnesty for slavery. I think we can give them amnesty for that, too. So, hell no. Uh, <laughs> hell no. Uh, no. Well, that's only one thing. There's It's unfortunate, and they've dictated this. You know, they dictate the remedy because they won't accept anything else that they understand. You can't deal with, you can't deal with these people on any kind of compromise situation because they'll turn around and screw you again, and they consider that to be a weakness. And uh, in these types of situations, a show of strength is uh, uh, required, uh, demanded, dictated. Uh, so uh, the, some of these people need to, and I was just listening to Mike Adams this morning's uh, update and talking about jail for life. Now, this ain't no jail for life thing, okay? This is crimes against humanity on all this stuff. These people need to be caught, and they need to hang publicly. In fact, I think I told you I was talking to this Canadian gal that's uh, in our lunch group and uh, the wife of the guy that had that accident the first day. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, and she said, no, what you need to do is you need to get them and their ch- children, and you need to kill their children first in front of them, and then you kill them. And you give them an example, you send a message, and you and you cut the bloodlines. Okay? And I thought that was a little harsh, but, you know, the more I think about it, uh, uh, that that certainly is not out of the realm of possibility. So that's who we're dealing with. That's what they deserve, and that's the only lesson and only a, a remedy they understand, unfortunately. Um, so I thought that was very interesting on amnesty, asking for amnesty. You lying, murdering, thieving, slaving, satanic, blood-drinking, pedophile pieces of crap. Okay, And that's exactly what they are. 
And uh, so anyway, that's interesting. We'll see how that develops. It's obviously going to get a lot of talk. Uh, but any of this jail for life stuff, uh-uh. Uh-uh, I don't buy that one bit. These are crimes against humanity. They took people that weren't guilty of this in Nuremberg and hanged them, and that's exactly what they need and they deserve, and they've earned it. Okay. Somebody's got a mic open. You want to say something? I, Roger, I heard. I was reading, listening to the Bible yesterday, and there was a part that talked about people drinking blood. Their others' bloods, like human blood. Yeah. And um, I don't remember if it was Genesis, because I went into Genesis and I went into John. So one of those were talking about it, and I was, like, surprised to hear that because of what's happening now. Yes. Well, there. I know there's a passage in there that talks about don't drink the blood. You know, I guess people have transferred that to eating raw meat, and you know, raw meat and even rare, uh, rare meat for those of us who like steaks and stuff cook rare medium rare anyway um yeah this is an ancient cult that's been going on for a long time it's nothing new it's been around for thousands of years and it's just now coming to a point where they got control who was uh hey roger in there the female hey roger uh who exactly was asking for amnesty the gal there's an article in atlantic magazine yes i think it broke yesterday uh, where they're they're floating the idea that oh we made a lot of mistakes we need amnesty you don't need amnesty you need hanging well you Short- need to tell the rabbis that's doing circumcision to stop sucking the blood that's right yeah well the, you know I mean that that was a court case in New York years ago I don't know remember how many but about the when they do a circumcision and this now this is over in the Orthodox community this isn't the Reform community this is the Orthodox community. When they do, they call it a bris, I believe. Is anybody up on the Yiddish stuff here? They call it a bris, and I believe that that's when they circumcise the male child. And the rabbi was taken to court because he literally bit off the foreskin of the young man's penis, and he he uh, he, he infected the boy with the, his mouth, and they took him oh to court. Gosh. Okay. So these people they literally, the blood. they literally bite the foreskin off of young men's penises. That's who we're dealing with here, folks. Okay. Life is in blood. Yes. And uh, what Mark is talking about is adrenochrome. No, of course. And that's where they um, torture those little children and get the adrenaline going in their blood. And then that's where they take the blood from. It's traded very highly, very expensive. Um, it's been shown that uh, Biden has accepted a vial yeah. from a, a young man right. on the tarmac. Right. I remember seeing that video. Um, you know, back in the old days, you can go back and find this. Uh, uh, Jeff probably knows about this. But you can go back and find statues on, on buildings in Europe about all of this uh uh, sacrifice ritual murder stuff and how they torture these children and continue to cut them, cut them, cut them and get that adrenochrome up and then they take that blood and they use it, I think, during Passover and mix it in with matzah. Okay? Mm-hmm. I mean, th- these are sick people, folks. Th- these people are just off, okay? 
And uh, so that that's who we're dealing with is that type of mentality. You don't go in and, oh, yeah, we're going to give you amnesty. No, we're not. If we can get our hands on you, if it's gotten, if I've got anything to do with it, your ass will hang, okay? Because that, and that's too light a punishment, really. You know, in hanging, hanging is pretty interesting uh, because there's two ways to hang people. And if you want, and I don't, I don't remember which it is, I think it's if you want them to die instantly, you take that 13 wrap hangman's noose and put it at the back of their neck and it snaps a bone in the neck and it throws it up into the brain and it kills you instantly uh or you can put it on the side and it strangles you and you die slowly hanging at the end of a rope that's when people crap their pants and stuff i believe so uh anyway uh i prefer the slow method uh the knot on the side is what snaps the neck oh it is is vice versa so it's the one in the back that just hangs you right yep okay hey we can do it on the end of light poles we have plenty of them around the country. It should handle probably several generations of them. And um, also willow trees. Willow trees. How about some of these new light poles that have got the infrared light or the iridescent light that's supposed to pick you up if you've got the COVID jab? Can we hang them off of those, Brent? We could. Yeah. going to well, say also, the 5G tower. Get yeah. me on there. Yeah, or just tie them up to a 5G tower and let them let them irritate themselves to death or something. But there there's a day of reckoning coming for these folks, man. And you can tell when they're putting articles out like that in that type of publication yesterday, these people are concerned. They got this big thing less than a week away next Tuesday, and uh, unless they go in and do some kind of unbelievable ballot stuff and they're going to get their little clocks clean next week and uh it's going to be very interesting to see how the future develops now for us in our situation it's got they've got us in such a bad position with all the things they've destroyed all the food processing we're almost out of diesel there's no telling else what cards they can pull out they've got uh, of course unlimited funds and unlimited power and influence so uh, we'll see. It's a day-by-day deal, but I thought that was very interesting yesterday that they would even float an article talking about amnesty for COVID after all the crap they've done, shutting down people, all the censoring, people losing their jobs, people getting fired, people can't see their dying relatives, you can't go see your family, all the rest of the uh, the repercussions from what's gone on the last couple of years. And it's just about, what's it been, two years in January? Something like that? I remember the day, I was a Friday, and I had Brent on, and at the close of the show, that story was just starting to break. And I said, Brent, stay on top of this flu thing. This story's got legs. Man, by the next Monday and Tuesday, it was full-blown. Okay? So you could sniff that Three years. Yeah, was it three? Whatever it is, it's absolutely ridiculous time frame and of course not only are they trying to proffer their agenda but they're trying to cover their ass because their financial system's imploding right underneath it they've pressed it so far and stolen so much and leavened so much crap dead up there that uh it's uh who's got the water on there somebody turn thank you um the, those microphones are real sensitive these days Sorry, that was me. I'm on my left. Okay, that's okay, Mike. Thank you. Um, 
but uh, uh, it, it's just an interesting situation. It looks I've been saying for a long time that they've lost already, simply from the financial position they'd gotten themselves into, and now they've gone ahead and tried this little vector and this little agenda, and now this has backfired on them too. And uh, so, very interesting times, folks. And it's going to be really interesting going forward as this unravels. See what their counter moves are, just how desperate they are, because they're all in here. Okay, I mean, it's like being in, out there with Brent at the five card hold'em table, and you take everything you got and you shove it in the middle and go, "I'm all in." Well, they're all in. Okay. Hi, Roger. Good morning. Who's this? Good morning. This is Annie. Hey, Annie. I got fired for not getting the jab and there's a we're doing a press conference today because 411 um professionals are uh put up a lawsuit against kaiser pfizer and it's um kaiser and oh it's, kaiser, kaiser permanente yes so um 411 of us i'm actually a, a religious science practitioner and they denied me my religious exemption um, they, they denied a lot of people who were like ministers and things like that. And they gave other people religious exemptions who was like, never even expressed, um, any kind of religious, you know, it doesn't matter, but they gave, it was, what do they call it? Um, capricious and what? Mm-hmm. Capricious. What's, very, yeah. Uh, arbitrary, and arbitrary, arbitrary and capricious, um, very familiar legal phrase. Yeah. And, and, and so they, doled those out, you know, arbitrarily and capriciously to certain people. Most of the people are what uh, we consider, uh, most people were older. Like I had 30 plus years of service there and um, they actually tried to get rid of me after I got COVID. Um, and um, they, they went into my, um, because it's um, the medical um, system is, is the same. So they went into my file and found out how old I was after I got, um, COVID and, um, um, a supervisor came to me and said, you know, there are jobs at, um, a college over here for teaching just after, you know, I came back from being sick. And, uh, so, um, there's all kinds of problems there, but anyway, there's a press conference. I put it in the chat, but it didn't come up right. So, um, Anyhow. Well, good luck with that. They're getting papered over from every angle right now on stuff like this, uh, and those cases are moving forward. It'll be interesting, the one to see. Did anybody go back and listen to that Todd Collender interview on Michael Adams yesterday that I was promoting? Yeah, I did, Roger. What'd you think? Hey, Wayne, what'd you think of that? Was that not a good interview? He's a really good guy, isn't he? Well, very smart, very articulate, and he really laid out uh, the situation uh, of what's going on with uh, the shots and everything. And a couple of things that I felt really uh, critical was uh, that uh, they started talking about this cesium-137. 137, right, right. Yeah. And that everybody has a certain amount of this stuff in their system based on consuming food and water and all that stuff. And so as they start to uh, amp up some of these, uh, you know, the 5G and whatever, uh, again, it could start affecting people. And I was just making, I took some notes on it, and I was kind of making a couple uh, real um, uh, critical notations. And that is around the 40-minute mark, they started talking about the fact that activated charcoal yes. can help remove this uh, cesium-137 from people's bodies. And he also talked about another, Mike Adams talked about another uh, additive, or I'm sorry, another ingredient called Prussian blue 
Right. And I'm not quite sure what that is, but it's something he's been <clears throat> accumulating to help uh, the state of Texas. He's going to donate it to the state of Texas if there's a real issue with uh, fallout or some other you know big problem. I believe Prussian blue is an arsenic. Could be. It could be, Jeff. Yeah. Uh, but also betonite clay is good. Betonite clay is excellent Very for a lot of, a lot of stuff. Um, I thought the cesium-137 thing was particularly interesting by a convert, a little sidebar they had, where that is what, you, you know, all these atomic clocks like run your computer here where I'm looking at 10 whatever it is. All of that's based on cesium-137 because its decay rate, it decays one whatever unit per second. So they can go in and take one cesium-137, and it exactly decays at one per second, and that's what they use as a basis of atomic time clocks. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, I, I, I listened to that, and um, what was interesting was the it, it, the Itera wave was effect ha, had an effect on the cesium, and I couldn't under, completely understand that because I'm not a, you know, right. But well, anyhow, the, so the Itera one, I have, I, I have two of them. Um, but, um, so I think that that's kind of like cleaning people out with that. Very, you know, that's one of my great hopes that frequency is somehow some sort of an answer for this and somebody's going to come up with it. Um, get this. I'm at, I'm, I, I take, uh, I take a wand. I had a couple out and uh, people were going to bring them back. So I took one over there to lunch yesterday. Cause I was going to, if I could go up to that doctor, I want to leave one with for a little bit. And there's one of the Canadian guys there. Who him and I don't, he's, he, we just, we've gotten into a couple of kind of heated discussions and I try not to press anything with him. He's a pretty nice guy, but he's a little strange. So, uh, he, uh, uh, when I went over to say hello and he was saying, uh, Dr. Robert Malone has a endorsement of the iTerra wand on his website. Now, I went looking for it last night. I couldn't find it. I got a message into him now to try and get it. But evidently, Robert Malone is endorsing the Itera wand. How about that? He lost that? his licenses. From, Malone? From, Malone Mal lost his licenses. McCullough. No, that's McCullough, the guy oh, in Texas. Sorry. This Wrong is Malone, one. the one that I think they're grooming to take Fauci's place, is who that guy is. Yeah, hear, his wife. Do what? I'm sorry to interrupt. His wife is uh, well into Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Okay. Well, he's. I know Rents is highly suspect. Yeah. Rents is highly suspect of him because of an incident where he was talking to uh, somebody in Hawaii, a group of people in Hawaii, and the comment came out we need to get the vaccine to those older people. You know, and he knew damn well what was going on. And the reporter that was in the room played that excerpt or wrote it in his article. And Malone called him personally in a really aggravated state and say, what did you do that for? You know, so I'm suspect of the guy anyway, but from, for whatever that's worth, um, the, uh, uh, he did endorse the Itera wand. So. Uh, in some way, shape, or form. I couldn't find it last night. The guy said it was on his website. Well, I couldn't see it on his website. It's a bunch of vaccine crap. So uh, anyway, I've got a, a question into him to get me the link on that. It may be something we could all use. Yes, Mirka. Um, Michael has something to share about Secretary of State. He got... Um so he's been waiting to jump in. All right. In. Well, Michael, hey, you got to be you got to be a little bit aggressive here. Hey, Michael, what uh, you got? Okay. Hey, hey, Roger. Yeah, I received my uh, 
a, a letter from U.S. Secretary of State. It's in the link in the chat where it states that I need to uh, fill out, send in a whole bunch of documents. Five. Uh, uh, All right, now hold on, IDs. hold on, hold on, Michael. Is sure. this a cold sure. affidavit, or are you doing this with a passport application that you're getting this response uh, from? I, I sent in my affidavit initially, and I sent in my renewal application via USPS. Okay. And so this I is a response. I feel like this is a response to the passport application. Correct. Okay. It, it is, but but nowhere does it indicate it's a renewal application. But they're treating it as a as a as I'm a new person applying for the first time. Okay, well, what was your situation? You already had a passport. It's expired within the last 15 years. What's the situation? Okay, I ha- it has not expired. It's it's set to expire in 2027. Okay, so it's current. It's a, yeah, it's a 10-year passport. Right. Well, they, they're they all are. They're treating it. Yeah, they're treating it as a um, as a new application on my behalf. Well, then so. something's wrong somewhere because if you've got one that's open, did you did you apply for a new book and a new card or just a card? A new book and card. Okay, so you went for both. We didn't have to do that. First right. of all, you could have saved yourself one hundred and forty dollars and just gotten the card, unless you just particularly want the book. Uh, since you've got mm-hmm. one that's uh, got a few years in front of you, tell me what the letter says. Oh, it says a lengthy letter, Murphy. Can you? Help me read that. <laughs> or Well, I'll tell you what. Well, I, it's good for discussion here. If it's lengthy, I don't know about taking the time. What's the first paragraph? Let me get to that. It appears um, by what you've submitted that you're a citizen of the United States. Does it start out that way? Uh, let me. I'm going to open it right now. Uh, thank you for a recent passport application. However, that identification you provided is not sufficient for passport purposes. Please complete the enclosed DS-5520. Hold, it, hold it. The identification, you did you send them your current passport in the package? Yes, I did. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, you're going to have to, look, you're going to have to contact them and go, I sent you my current passport that you issued me. That must have been okay for you to issue this for me. What is all this about? That's what I'd, I'd respond. That's Carby for advice. Exactly. <laughs> well, I, are they I, asking I mean, you for more? Are they asking you for six more types of identification? Uh, five more. Five or more. Okay. All right. Well, I think Harvey's approach is probably the best, okay, uh, that I've seen. What's that? What's that approach? Okay, you go take. Here's what. Here's what Harvey did. Now, Harvey was is is well. You don't. There's no such thing as a former Marine. Harvey's a Marine, and uh, although he's been not associated with them for many decades since the Vietnam era, uh, and they did that stuff to him, and he had his uh, expired one that he sent in. He had one that was in that range that he sent in. And they came back. You're only about the third or fourth person they've done this to, okay? Mm. So Harvey's brother, Charlie, that lives in Chattanooga, has 15 children and 45 grandchildren, okay? And so what Harv did was he took uh, the picture that he was going to attach for his passport application, 
and he went to a printer and he typed underneath it this is so and so i have known him since so and so i don't know remember the exact verbiage and then he went to all of his relatives and i think he sent them i think he sent them 40 30 or 40 of those things okay so if you've got some people that you've known for a while you might try the same thing it works but you're only the fourth person that I've that they've done this to that I know of anyway. Did did Harvey's relative sign an affidavit? Or oh, well, that was it was in the form it was in the form of an affidavit. Oh, it, oh, okay, okay, perfect. Okay, I may I may try that. I did call them this morning to see where the discrepancies at. And long story short, the guy said after he read me off some questions. Uh, the same questions that are on the renewal application. Right. He said, I said, yeah, I sent in everything, my passport. I sent in. Then he said, well, looks like you need to uh, follow the instructions in the, uh, in the pamphlet. You got to submit those additional questionnaires, you know, answers. And it sounded like the IR, the, the agent was on my side, but his hands were tied. I had to follow. Unusual. Uh, you know, and I think the question I'd ask him is, why didn't you need this when you issued me the passport that I sent in that's active? Exactly. I may have a ongoing correspondence via email with them to see if they respond. I'll tell you what, why don't you, why don't you do this? And maybe it, 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 while you're preparing the other thing, if that's the course you want to take is uh, write them and ask them what's your next, what's the next step in your administrative appeal. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Awesome. Inform- awesome. Awesome. Awesome advice. Okay. I exactly because if they don't have my, because I'm without passport and a book. Right. So if, if they're going to keep it, I need to report that. I would, I, in the I, future. I, I would contact them and say, look, how did you issue me a first one? If this was a problem, <laughs> it's still active. Secondly, yeah. I need those as identification as documents I've paid for that are now in your possession. And I don't have, What's the what's the reason for this? And if you can't give me one, what's the next step in my administrative appeal? Perfect. Awesome. Okay. Thank you very much. I would take that advice. And I did leave the link. Hopefully, you can get that information to read for yourself or your file for people to learn and share. Okay. Great. Well, thank you, Michael. Michael. I couldn't. I couldn't open it. So. I'll send it to and you I, directly. And I can't. Okay. And I can't read it. So you know. So anyway. Well, Michael, I'm sorry you had that problem, but it's good when we yeah. have these kind of problems because, exactly. you know, we can, we, these are all overcomable. All right. And I mean, in all the years I've been doing this and they've thrown bluff letters and these things and a couple other things at us along the, along the way. Yeah. And uh, the, we've never had anybody that didn't get their documents to my knowledge. Okay. So sure. why they're doing that, I, that one, that's just out of left field for me, you know? Uh, I don't know why they do that. When you got an open existing passport that they're the ones that issued it and they're asking for more identification, that's just crap, you know. Yeah. Anyway, play and along, be assertive, mm-hmm. uh, uh, assert your position, and kind of be pleasantly forceful. Awesome. We'll do that. Okay. Thank you, Roger. A belligerent. Be, be kindly belligerent. We'll do that. All right. Good, Michael. Where are awesome. you? Mm-hmm. This is the first time we've talked. Oh. Where are you? Uh, California. We've oh, talked before. I'm sorry. I know. Thank he's, you. Uh, he's Teresa's friend. 
Okay. Well, Michael, welcome aboard. Don't know how long you've been Thank with you. us. First time we've spoken, but, uh, you know, glad to have you along. Sorry you ran into this obstacle. It's not insurmountable by any means. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Awesome. All right. Don't freak I mean, out. And people freak out, tend to freak out when they get something back like that. I understand that, you know, but you remember you're in control. This is your decision, not theirs. Amen. Okay. And that's what we've got to do is get back our confidence and our control. That's why I insist on people learning and having command of the information. Because that's what gives you the power to be able to stand up to these guys and go, "Uh uh-uh, no, no, sorry. This is what's going on. Belligerent claimant. And you can't be a belligerent claimant unless you know the information. And, you know, I wanted to clarify that because I've thought about those statements. When I say learn the information, you don't have to know know this stuff like I do, and you're not going to know it like I do. I've been messing with it for 30 years, okay? It's in my psyche. It's in my 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 entire persona this information's in, and you're not going to get there in any kind of short amount of time. But you can have command of it, okay? And command of it just means that you might not know all that minutiae but you got the big concepts you understand what's going on here you've started down your road to re-empowerment and you can assert your positions that's what i mean by having command of the information that's probably a better way to put it really rather than learning it because i understand all the meticulousness and the confusion and all the things that you go through to get there because i've been working through it for many years okay and you're just starting in many cases here. and But just get command of the big picture. You know, what's the major concepts, the feudal system, the merchant law, how they've screwed with the 14th and 15th Amendment. You can start getting your confidence back by just having command of the conceptual parts of this. Okay? And, and that's a much speedier, obviously, much speedier, much more effective way to get us up in in numbers up to speed and that's been my big challenge for all these years really is to get this simplified where it can get across easily and people can get command of it relatively quickly and i think we've achieved that really roger yes awesome this is annie again um so there's this idea of apprenticeship and the um um apprenticeship originally when you're in somebody's um like um, or or around their their um, their knowledge and stuff that that imparts to other people um, who they're around. So one of the one of the main um, one of the things that that I heard that um, that there are people who actually look at eggs and can determine if it's a female egg or a male egg just holy by looking. At it. Holy smoke! Yeah, and that's so- a. That, that happens after years of practice. If it's pointy on the pointy end, if it's extra pointy, that's a rooster. Uh, well, well, but anyway, so just just sitting next to the person who was like um, sexing the the eggs, the other person picks it up, um, and and um, they didn't necessarily say that it was like um, had to do with like the pointy ends or whatever, but. Um, anyway, they imparted just by being around the person or being around their knowledge and stuff that it imparts to other people is what I'm saying. Uh-huh. That's true. Quantum field. Osmosis. Hey, yeah, the pointy egg thing is a fact, though. I don't, I, I don't doubt that one bit. Yeah, who was Hey Roger in there? Hey, Roger, it's Baron. Baron. Hey, man. 
It's, it's barren. 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 It's Bama week. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be a big one, buddy. Okay. That's going to be a we'll big one. We'll see. My, my son goes to Mystic State University, and they're playing those Georgia Bulldogs in a couple weeks, and uh, I really don't want to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. You know, those guys are good with Kirby Smart, you know? Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, but look, I had a question. I was listening to a great interview you did with the lady on Brighton, Um And I just had a question. Uh, you were saying on there, uh, the feudal system is the only system in the world that transfers political status at birth. Correct. Um, so the question I kind of think I might know the answer to, I wanted to verify, um, what... What other system transfers political status by blood? All of them. All of them. You know, right now, if you've got grandparents that were Italian, Spanish, I know Polish, maybe German, but uh, several of the European countries, even though they're your grandparents, you can go back. If you can prove that lineage, you can go back and acquire a passport from that country because they transfer hereditament down the bloodline. Okay. Now it's funny you should bring that up, Baron, because I was talk I was thinking about it yesterday actually. Uh and the reason that the feudal system is the only one in history that has that attribute is because it's the only system where the people were property. Had they had a property right on them. So it only stands to figure if they have a property right in the parents that when the child is born, they can't transfer that hereditament through the blood because the parents have a property right in them. And I'm sure that's how this assignment of political status at birth, where you're born, came from. Okay, I've never studied it, but it just is real logical when you think about it. And that's the little link here that everybody's missed. And if it wouldn't have been for John Benson, and I didn't even understand it when the manuscript was written. He's the one, him and Glenn, when they edited the book, put that into the legal argument in the back. That's the first time I was exposed to it as to why and how they did this. And that's exactly what they're doing is they've got that little birthright citizenship thing tied back through this really, really invisible web back to the feudal system a thousand plus years ago that virtually nobody knows anything about. How would you know that that was a attribute of this one system and bring it forward and connect it to the 14th Amendment? You, nobody would ever do that. That's why our, our whole legal movement's never had any success because they don't understand the system they're in or the system of law that's being used against them. And it's all because of that little nefarious thread between birthright citizenship and the feudal system where they get that one key element of that system because that's the way the manors perpetuated their their labor force. Okay? I mean, if they didn't have that, they were always going out and acquiring slaves. Now they got voluntary serfs in there who are providing them their own slaves. So, you see, it makes a lot of sense. I'm glad you brought that up, Baron, so we could talk about it for a minute. Okay, and part B of my question would be, so on a timeline, 
uh, whenever the birth certificates uh, were put into place and the uh, 1932 debt, is this when our parents started answering the question, are you a U.S. citizen? I, you know, I haven't. I've never been able to go back. I'm sorry you got he Bar, uh, Baron's working and he's driving a truck. So why that fidelity is terrible? Um, I've never gone back and researched that as they instituted this. I'm not sure when they started asking the questions, but I can prove to you that that's when the system changed. And the other interesting thing here, Baron, if you go back to one of these tidbits of information I picked up along the way that fits into the big picture here, is they passed the birth certificate law in 1921. Okay? So there were not birth certificates before 1921. And that was in the middle of the first depression that they caused after they took control of the Federal Reserve to be able to consolidate the Federal Reserve because it had only been passed a few years before. There was a number of banks that weren't in and had not joined the system voluntarily. And this first little depression that they caused in 21-22 uh, was to consolidate the Federal Reserve System and evidently get rid of some of these, uh, to them, renegade banks uh back then and so they had birth certificates starting from the early 20s so that when they pulled the trigger on the system change in 33 they already had a pile of these birth certificates to attach to the new bonds after the bankruptcy and then everybody else at the same time was put into the condition so any children born from that point forward had a birth certificate and everybody was born into the new system so i think that's the timeline uh uh baron does that help okay it, it helps and uh so in the feudal system the uh person came and did a oath, took an oath of fealty. Oath, fealty, fealty, F-E-A-L-T-Y, fealty. You can go look it up on the Internet or look at it in Monty Python's Holy Grail. He's got a scene in there with one in it. So that's how they volunteered in. So I'm just trying to make the connection okay, all how right. my, my parents volunteered in. Well, they were put into the system as probably not your parents, as probably your grandparents in 33 because right. everyone was placed in there as surety for the bankruptcy. But they didn't sign anything. Correct? No, they didn't. They, there's the fraud right there, see? Hey, Roger, I got a question. All right. Imagine if Malcolm X and uh, King and all of them knew about this. Now, hold, uh, hold on, Mike. I can't understand you. Start again, would you? Uh, you there, there's a little noise in the background, but oh. just try not to talk too close to the microphone because you over-modulate. Could you start again? That's okay. Yeah. Could you start again? These microphones are super yes. sensitive. Go. What if Martin Luther King Jr., Michael Max, and all the civil rights activists knew about this in the 50s and 60s? And the I, Black Panthers, and well, how would our country be now? I have no idea, man. I mean, I, I don't know. I can't. I, I'd love to. I've, I've made approaches to try and get this to some of these black leaders, and I can't get anybody's attention. Hey, Roger. Yes, is that Joe? Yeah, it's Joe. Hey, Joe. 
So, um, you know, this whole thing with, uh, like David Strait and Anna Von Wright, uh, I'm, I'm, I came across something very interesting. Did you, you hear know, our, Anna, did you hear our new, uh, our new description of that? Anna's straight jacket. <laughs> In a straight jacket. Well, check this out. So look what I found. This is very interesting. Uh, it's Planned Parenthood Action Fund Incorporated. Okay. It has a company name. Uh, the status, it's been removed. It's a nonprofit corporation, and the agent is Anna Von Wrights. Oh, for Planned Parenthood? That's right. Planned Parenthood Action Fund Incorporated. Oh. And, yeah, it's in uh, agent addresses in Anchorage, Alaska. I tell you, the more I learned about this woman, I, I'm I'm just shocked, honestly. So I, I does that sure. bring let me ask you a question, Joe. Does that bring credence to the idea we've seen heard floated that her and Strait are kind of government agents sowing disinformation? I I believe it. I'm looking at this, I'm like, well, if she's over here doing this stuff. What is she trying to now, do on. with people? Well, here's you know? another. Here's another. Uh, what do you call this? Um, oh, inconsistency. At least I can't think of the word that I'm I'm looking for. She's the one that's got directions, direct, supposedly direct connections to the Pope, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the Catholics are very anti-abortion, at least on a, on the whole. So now she's over here with direct connections to the Pope involved with Planned Parenthood? That's right. There's no contradiction there, is there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, my goodness. It's, uh, you know, as you dig deeper and deeper into these people, you start finding some uh, – I don't, I don't like to talk bad about people. I'm just pointing no, this out. I understand. Well, we got to police our own ranks, unfortunately, you know. And all I know is ever since I've started hearing about this woman, all I've heard is that she's putting out bad information. Now, I'm not, I don't know if all of it's bad, okay, but certainly the different pieces, because I'm not going to go study your crap, okay, but the people that bring stuff, information to us and tidbits here, it's just a lot of bad information. So I feel sorry for the people that are so involved in that and and uh, either haven't found uh, what we do or, or refuse to listen. There's a bunch of those in the second category there, as Jeff and others have learned, you know, not with Anna, but with David Strait, too. So okay. I got no answers, folks, except I think we've got the I think we've got the Gordian knot untied here. And uh, and I just hope that people find us or we can get to them some way or another. Roger, can I bring Bill T. System for? Yeah, who's that? It's Sherry. It's Sherry. Okay, hold on. You're cutting out just a little bit. So could you start again, please? Um, the fealty system. Yeah, no, it's um, not. The, are they it's using? Not, it's not the fealty system. It's the feudal system. The oath of fealty, and I'm glad you brought it up because it deserves a little more explanation for Baron and for others. There was two types of serfs in that system. Okay, there was an involuntary serf, which was akin to black slavery in our country. All right, and this is an interesting aspect of that. 
if you were in involuntary servitude, now there's your 13th Amendment right there. Neither slavery nor involuntary servitude shall exist. Okay? So this is the involuntary servitude, the true slave side. There was only one way that you could get out of that condition. I guess outside of escape, you know, but somebody would probably get you and return you. But there was only one legitimate way to get out of the involuntary servitude condition. And that's if you were a bastard. Because if you were a bastard, there was a slim chance that you were fathered by the Lord of the manor. And you could get out of that condition on only that aspect right there. And that's the only one. Okay. Now, the other side is voluntary servitude. And that's where the oath of fealty comes in. Okay, And that's a voluntary act. You went to the Lord of the manor. You told him you wanted to be one of his serfs. You got into this condition, into this situation where he stood. You kneeled on both knees. That's important because you kneel on both knees to your Lord. And we do that in prayer. They did that in the feudal system. Both knees. You put your hands on top of your head like you're praying, the Lord of the manor would put his hands over yours and all the other serfs of the manor witnessed it as witnesses. And you pledged your body and your worldly goods to the Lord of the manor. And that's the contract. It was what Brent mentioned it last week. It's called a parole contract, an oral contract, parole, like being out on parole from prison. Okay, that's a parole contract. It's a legitimate contract. And in this particular one, just because now you'd pledged your body as property to the Lord of the manor, any children you had were born into the same condition. That's a generational silent contract. And that's the contract we're in. And that's the contract they recognize when you send this affidavit in here. Okay, I hear Daryl in the background, but let uh, me finish. Morning, hey, Daryl, let me finish with yeah. with our gal here. So, did that address your concerns? Well, what I was going to say is that um, yes, our grandparents didn't sign a contract no. in that regard. No, but silence is acquiescence. Correct. And. Okay, so they're using that against us. Well, here, and, what caused um, that? What caused but, your grandparents to be put into the condition was the fraudulent hypothecated bankruptcy. So it's not the fact that they were put into the condition as surety, although that certainly is fraud, okay? But it addresses the fraud of the bankruptcy, which was the action that caused all of this. That's why they recognize this, folks. It's layer and layer and layer and layer of fraud. Right. And, and one last thing I was going to address was the jurisdiction. And that's where the children come in under the manor, the lord of the manor. Um, but that's the one element in law that is always you're able to challenge is jurisdiction. Oh, yeah. And if jurisdiction, if you're try, if you're doing this from the bottom up, which is the way our community has always tried it, okay, 
I've never heard of anybody being successful at it, by the way. There's two types of jurisdiction, subject matter and in personam, personal jurisdiction and jurisdiction of the subject matter. If jurisdiction's challenged in a court proceeding, supposedly by their rules, that proceeding cannot go forward until that jurisdictional challenge is satisfied. But I've never seen anybody or heard of anybody winning one from the bottom up. That's why you got to go to the top because that system is dictated from the Secretary of State. Now you got that paper in his possession, you challenge jurisdiction. Now it's a different story. So does that make sense? Absolutely. Thank you. Okay, you're welcome. Hey, Daryl. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Um, well, this this is you're talking about everything I well not everything but a lot I work on. So you you got a if, couple of books uh, on feudalism now, don't you? I I have a lot of stuff on this. Uh, it uh, <clears throat> it's quite fascinating, actually. Uh, hiding in plain sight, as it were. Yep. Uh, there's a book. No surprise to anybody listening. There's a book that uh, actually talks about the inheritance. Uh, well, we, we can relate this to Jacob and Esau. Uh, to, to uh, the principles, anyway, the concept, concept, the concept uh, actually goes back to Jacob and Esau. All right. And uh, uh, in a book written by a Jewish fellow who is a self-hating Jew, uh, so described, his name is uh, Gerard Menuhin. His father was a uh, renowned violinist. Uh Gerard writes a book called Tell the Truth and Shame the Devil. Uh, if you want to get your your mind around uh, who we're dealing with on a from a Jewish level, uh, there's there's actually many <laughs> participants. But uh, if you want to get your mind around who you're dealing with here, uh, I highly recommend the book. Uh, towards the end of the book, he uh, does a nice job in summarizing and uh, <clears throat> what he what he talks about is that the overriding objective, the big picture, you know, all the little details and this and that, but what's the what's the over overriding object, objective here? To get rid of God is, well, uh, as it applies to, uh, you know, there's many steps to, to before they get to that point, right? But right. one of the overriding objectives, they have, they have many things they have to overcome or subdue. And as that applies to you, is, is to steal your hereditament. Yep. He says this specifically, Does unequivocally, and clearly. It, is to steal your hereditament. All right. And uh, <clears throat> in fact, what you're describing when you're describing the the uh, the birth certificate, uh, the process, the uh, conversion from one to another, and then it's conveyance, uh, you're talking about uh, trespass. You're talking about stealing 
you know, of the hereditament, uh, your, your, uh, person, right. Uh, and, uh, so that, that ties in, I, I like to tie in these, these other corroborating evidences, if you will. Um, I, uh, sometimes miss a lot of the, uh, personage details that people talk about persons. I don't really talk about them too much. I spend most of my time in concepts. Uh, <laughs> and you know why, Roger? Yeah. Cause that's where the answers uh, are. Yeah. And so I, I look for the corroborating evidences, uh, and the source documents for the concepts and the fuel system is, uh, you know, uh, extremely important. Um, so let me let me preface what I'm going to say now as that it's not the next. What I'm going to say is not the nexus of the uh, <clears throat> conversion for most people, uh, and it, it is fraud, and it goes through this time of the bankruptcy, 1933, and the conversion. And so they, uh, uh, FDR got, or, you know, the treasury or whoever was involved in all that, uh, got all the state governors to agree to the, uh, conveyance of all properties, uh, to, um, uh, the bankruptcy as collateral. As surety. But they uh, didn't, I don't think the governors at that point understood the people were involved in that. Some yeah, of them yeah, may have, I, but I, I don't think, think that's a lot like, yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't, I couldn't say because I, I, you know, uh, the, uh, the, at the end of the day, the evidence shows that it, it occurred, but, uh, what was their intent or awareness? Uh, who's to know? We have to pass it before we read it. This has been going on oh. longer than, um, you know, the, uh, Patriot Act. Right. So the, um, the point was, uh, this actually occurred, and what comes in after that is uh, FDR's New Deal, and part of that New Deal is, is that we're going to now have a, a social system. Correct. And uh, my mother was born in 1933 uh, to parents that did not have birth certificates, Yet, uh, as I remember the my childhood stories, uh, listening to him talk, my grandmother, even my grandfather, uh, my aunts and uncles were, I mean, uh, over-the-top uh, Democrats, and they were Iowa farmers. Uh, and uh, to their to their dying day, they believed that FDR saved them, uh, even though they were, you know, uh, scratch. Scratch uh, farmers, dirt poor. They were they were peasants, and uh, you know, uh, in the uh, uh, from a uh, you know to use an analogy, and um, so um, my grandfather and grandmother, uh, as I remember, particularly my grandmother because I was older, but uh, she really looked forward. She really looked forward to every day or every month receiving her social 
security check. And my aunt uh, was the same way. And she was, she was quite old. And she was born, my aunt was born before 1933. Mm-hmm. So she wouldn't have necessarily had a birth certificate. She might have, but she might not have. So how is it, how is it, uh, and then, and then I, I remember, I remember discussions where, uh, you know, they, it was a foregone conclusion that they were U.S. citizens. Yes. Okay. So, uh, the, the presumption is, is, uh, uh, we're in, we're in the Great Depression, uh, I remember hearing stories about that as well from them because they all lived through it. And, uh, they, they were receiving, uh, my, my grandmother called at the dole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were on the dole. Right. Okay. Uh, the rock, the sugar rock candy mountain. Uh, and, and in order to do that, they would have had to have, uh, uh, engaged in some sort of paperwork. And, uh, how hard would, I, I can't say this cause I don't, I don't have the, the facts, but how, how hard would it have been to say, well, if, if you want to apply for the dole and they ask you a few questions, they say, well, are you a U.S. citizen? And you go, yeah. Uh, does that work? Could. Do, you, do you now then, even though you didn't have a birth certificate, do you now become, you, you've, you've, Acceded to the consented to that, right? Yeah, you consented to the fraud of them is putting that, you in in whole and the whole yeah. population as surety yeah. for this hypothecated yeah. fraudulent bankruptcy. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I think that this is this is was a gateway, a methodology for incorporating uh, people who had no concept of the differences. They were actually operating on a presumption. Oh yeah, I live in the United States. Right. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm a U.S. citizen. I, I went on the dole. It's just like I say, they do everything <clears throat> on presumption. Everything, you know. But Daryl, in one of the Congress team yeah. Fadden speeches, yeah. I've mentioned it a couple of times. I just saw hmm. it, you know, within the last couple of years. Even though I put it in the book at the time, it says they're building a Machiavellian feudal system. Those are his words: a Machiavellian feudal yeah. system. How mm-hmm. descriptive well, is that? Well, I, I think it's I think it's uh, pretty pretty much spot on. I mean, there was there was there was commentaries, uh, you know, back a lot. There was a lot of commentaries back in the '30s from people who were paying attention. Louis T. McFadden being, you know, first among them. Uh, but I, I want to. I found something else that's really interesting is um, if you look at the early early adventures, I'll put it that way, into the New World uh, by uh, Britain uh, with the time England, uh, 1584, 1585, uh, up through 1600, and after 1600, before before the real founding of Jamestown. Okay, so people don't realize that there was a lot of English activity going on as far as America is concerned, the East Coast, for almost 40 years before the 
founding of Jamestown and this this whole conversation about pilgrims. Okay, and uh, I've been reviewing a lot of uh, uh, <clears throat> official history and narratives and uh, books and writings and uh, even some YouTube stuff and videos. Uh, it's very deceptive. It's extremely deceptive. It promotes a, a false perception of what really, who did what, when, what, and, and what it completely omits is the context. So, for example, which is really, I'll, it'll talk, I'll tie this together. The, what they, what they omit is that the first, the first people uh, uh, that actually come ashore here are not free willers. <clears throat> they didn't. They didn't come here of their own free will. They came. They came as uh, tr- they called them the, the transported, and and uh, England. Was using, was using. Uh, they're trying to get rid of. They're trying to get rid of their, their uh, population. They're trying to get rid of the poor. They're trying to get rid of the criminal. Uh, they're trying to get rid of the street urchins, and they're literally kidnapping. Yes, off the streets of London, putting them on, putting them on ships, taking them out of prisons. Uh, 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 going before the Lord High Marshal John Popham, who nobody ever t- talks about, should. You know, if I ask somebody if they know about John Popham and and Thomas Smythe, and they don't know about him, then I I, I don't hold that against them. I just un- I know that they don't actually know American history. Okay, they 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 only know what they've been told. They don't actually have the rest of the story. These two guys, these two cats are a big deal. Or Sir Humphrey Gilbert. Okay. So so what they do, uh, John Popham and and uh, Thomas uh, Thomas Smythe, they're they're looking to stock their business adventures in the new world. Uh, these weren't people looking for freedom. These were people that were intent and had a letter of patent from Queen Elizabeth I to go on, uh, you know, a uh, an adventure for wealth and empire. They they weren't looking for religious freedom. <laughs> oh no, and they were using captive. Uh, uh, peoples for labor and they continue to do this all the way through the 1600s huh. you know there's an incident and, that and Brent, so you had you, yeah I was, just, I was just going to say hold your thought for a second there's an incident Brent Brock I think I'd heard of it before but it he brought it up one day when the pilgrims landed up there all of a sudden this Indian came out and started speaking English to them perfect english 
Oh, yeah. And he had yeah. been captured yeah. in yeah. this time frame you're talking about and taken back to England and learned English and spent time yes. over there and came back. And the pilgrims, he walks out of the forest and starts talking English to the pilgrims. It must have freaked him out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, actually, you know, I, I, I got to I, – I, I really love that you bring this up because this gets across the context of what's really going on here at the beginning. All right. Uh, that, that, I mean, that really identifies it. They think it starts with these thing, these people called the pilgrims and it don't. All right. That's what you're supposed to have believed and something about, uh, Pocahontas and, uh, John Smith. And yeah, they, they were real. They were real players, but this is, this is way down the road. The important part is here is that, is that you had in the beginning, uh, literally for, the, the first 35 years, you had uh, white slaves yeah. from, uh, from uh, not only the cities, but also Ireland and Scotland who, you- were, who were kidnapped. And now you, the, the beautiful part was, Roger, I'm sorry. I was just going to say. What's read, really I, interesting I, about this is you- that they had, they had the opportunity, if they served seven years, Right. Uh, in their slavery, they could they could earn their freedom. Correct. By the way, uh, hardly any of them did. Uh, they 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 weren't they weren't free willers in that they indentured themselves. They were actually uh, taken as slaves with the ability to gain their freedom if they survived, which hardly any of them ever did, particularly in the first thirty five years. Now, uh, <laughs> I love, I love GOF. Uh, and, and, and so then later on, later on, uh, this, you know, after like 1625, 24 going forward from there and the, and the, this starting of the establishment of Jamestown where, it, cause it, it had several fits and starts. Then you had this people who were contracting. With the companies, these were these were corporations. These were the original corporations that they're not they're not looking for religious freedom, people. Okay, uh, most of them they're looking to get rich. They want gold, they want wealth, and they figure they found out that they couldn't enslave the Indians for what they wanted to do. Okay. So they start recruiting for indentured, okay, indenturing themselves, selling themselves into contract. And uh, there was a variety of terms, and these were called the free willers. They sold themselves into bondage by free will. And when they got here, they found out that they only, the only thing that they had was the status of an outright abject chattel slave. Bond and a servant. lot of them people didn't survive either. Bond servants. Okay. Uh, the, the, uh, the, the first, the very first blacks that show up here is just a tiny, I think it was like five or six of them show up in like, uh, 16, 1620, 1619, 1620. Some more show up in 1624. A little more, but the, the the white indentured 
uh, servants, and, and that's a misnomer too. They called them servants. Well, they were slaves. Right. And a lot of them didn't survive. And so at the same time, they're using, Roger, they're using two different kinds of slavery here. They're using, they're treating, they're treating, uh, the colonies, the American corporate colonies, corporate colonies as, uh, like they did Australia. Right. Okay. Penal. Penal colonies. They're using it for slave labor. No difference, by the way. No difference. America was founded on a slavery penal process, and the original slaves were white. Right. <clears throat> and and a lot of them, by the way. And by the way, a lot of them. And uh, uh, <clears throat> it so, was the um, Irish. I'm going to stop you for a second, Daryl. It was the Irish yeah. that were out in the yeah. fields. If they had a black slave, they paid a ton for them, and they worked in the house, folks. And if you don't yeah, believe yeah, this, this, is, this is a, now are you yeah. are you getting how much your information? Because I know you're a voracious reader and have a big library. Uh, a lot of this information is in Michael Hoffman's book. They were white and they were slaves, and it's documented to the hilt. Okay. I read that, Roger. Okay. Yeah. And his deal, when I heard him the first time on Pete Peters talking about this subject right here, okay, and he said, well, I go around the country and I do college talks, and he said, the the people that are the most vehemently against my message are the blacks in the audience because they don't want their victimhood taken away. Mm-hmm. And where, where did everyone learn victimhood from? Well, I'm sure it comes from Jewish guilt, okay? Guilt. Yeah, guilt. So so what, what what's really important here is this this is a this is a quasi feudal system from the very beginning yep. with these relationships. Yeah, now look at the way okay. they acquired those. You 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 covered the two sections. The involuntary serfs are the ones that they just picked up off the street, ragamuffins on the street of London, threw them in a ship and brought them over. That was involuntary. The other ones are the ones that went into an agreement voluntarily as bond servants. There's your two feudal system categories right there. And that's why I called. Take another bite out of them. I first heard of indentured servitude when I read a book when I was eight or nine years old titled Johnny Tremaine. Not familiar with it. Yep. Yeah. yeah, this is the ancient history here, folks. That's true. So, so Marco, what'd you uh, think of that? Michael let me Hoffman ask. Let me ask. Great. Yeah, let me ask Marco because she's you know yeah. absorbing all this stuff. Yeah, Marco, what, what, what was your read? What was your read on that book? Somebody's got a mic open with a, a something in the background. If you could cut that, please, Marco. On what book, Roger? They were white and they were slaves. They were white and they were oh, there was. It's Chris um, from Tennessee oh. has his mic open. I know. Um, so there was an article I read, and it was when it went over the I um the different races that were slaves, um, and it had like a lighter complected. Um, black culture, and then they also talked about Irish, and um, I'm looking at it right now. I'm going to post it in the chat. It's, um, and there's like, it, it talks about the uh, great king of Babylon, and I mean, it was it was an eye-opener. Um, yeah. This this was the first time I've seen 
them talk about different races. And that's when I was researching all the trafficking and, you know, the children right. um, being trafficked. So, Okay. It's a great book if you're looking for background in this. Michael Hoffman, if you've never heard of him, is a brilliant revisionist historian. Brilliant. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to look for that. Okay. He's written a book on Judaism, Strange Gods. That's another one very in-depth into Judaism. There's another one called On Usury. He's probably got the definitive book on usury. He's written a whole bunch of stuff. He's very prolific, very quite intelligent, real intellectual. What is it? Revisionisthistory.org or something like that? Somebody yeah. have in that? Right. And, that's yet, it. and yet he, accepts, either, he, he, he accepts the Holocaust. Okay, well. Daryl always comes in with some good history and lessons for us here. Okay. Well, uh, one other, I, I recommend his book highly. Thank you. Uh, and the other book I would highly recommend uh, because it's very particular to uh, the time period I'm talking about is uh, White Cargo. Yeah. Okay. Read the book White Cargo. You will... You will never be the same after I, you read I think the book, that's White the book Cargo, that, particularly the first chapter. I think that's the book that that <laughs> a professor up at Wesleyan, Tony Martin, the black professor of uh, Afro-American history, that he read, I think it's that one, White Cargo, because I believe he mentions it in his talk, that set him off on all this yeah. and, and, and raised all kinds of crap up there at Wesleyan. You know? And, he of course, was, Tony Martin me, uh, has Jewish DNA from his... Slave ancestry. Okay. Well, uh, let, let me. Uh, well, we can't help our DNA, Mer. Roger. Do it. Since, since you since you brought him up, uh, Michael Hoffman, I, I want to give everybody. Uh, I, I want to give everybody. I want to tease everybody with a uh, a paragraph out of his book Usury in Christendom, because it explains in one one long one long paragraph. In one book, he explained, if you understand the concepts, it explains where you're at. Uh, with your permission, Roger? Yeah, go ahead, Daryl. Okay. Uh, okay. He says, uh, this is the first paragraph in his book, Usury and Christendom, Chapter 4. Uh, what is it? Page 160. Here's what he says. Legalized usury commits the human race to the unceasing pursuit of economic growth. Yep. Usury imposes an unstoppable expansion on the process of wealth creation. It sets in motion a driving force whose velocity increases exponentially along with compound interest, impelling us to transform all the world's human and natural resources into the form of financial representation, as the people of Renaissance England clearly saw and often said, usury is inherently insatiable. The history of the human race since restraints on usury began to be lifted has evolved. The sudden and dramatic colonization of the globe by money the evaluation of human activity and the natural environment in terms of money and the direction of an ever-increasing proportion of physical and psychological energy towards the production of money. 
Thank you, Michael Hoffman. Yep, very accurate. I have a meager offering. Uh oh. May I? May I? Alms, alms to the poor. Come on, Bob. <laughs> alms for the poor. <laughs> now this has more to do with the word indenture, and I know that the grad students and professors here already know this, but I like words, and most of us do. And for the new students, does anybody have an idea where the word indenture comes from? Take a stab. Take a bite. It comes. Yeah, <laughs> good one, Mark. It comes from the root of dent, dent, dental, tooth. The contract would be drawn up. Actually, two identical contracts would be drawn up. It would be cut or torn jaggedly on purpose, making a semblance of a tooth or multiple teeth, and they would only match its fellow that it had been cut away from. It's like tally sticks. You're talking about like tally sticks in the same way. Yep. 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 And if it didn't match, you you weren't part of that contract. You were still searching for the piece of paper that matched. Right. But it was called an indenture because of the jagged the edge. Jagged shape looked like teeth. Interesting. Interesting little trivia. Sure is. Yeah. Leave it to Bob. Thank you, Bob. Well, what's the Merkel? What's the right. Spanish word? Golpe. It means the bite. It starts with a G. I can't think of it. But there's a Spanish word that they throw around that means the bite. So for whatever that's worth. Maybe it's an Italian word. No, Interestingly, I'll look it the, up. The, the indenture in the tally stick, uh, it's really important. Tally sticks were part of the most uh, humane aspect. Uh, in the in the Middle Ages in England, yes, uh, from the Norman conquerors up up to up to uh, fifteen hundred, up to fifteen hundred, uh, they used uh, tally sticks, and uh, they had uh, they were usury free, right? For, uh, yeah, well, yeah, they you they they were they lived in a usurious free environment all the way up into. Uh, Henry the Seventh, which was Henry the Eighth's father, when 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 Henry the Eighth's uh, father comes in, I mean when Henry the Eighth comes in after the Refor- and, and during this period called the Reformation, I just did a two and a half hour show on all this, but, but it's fascinating because I, I can't talk about Martin Luther uh, and what his intents were, but uh, after after the Reformation is when usury it coincides with this time when usury is set free in Christendom. Right. And Henry VIII is a big part of that. And he, he needed money. He starts to diminish the use of tally sticks and starts using usury and lets it spread to his population. And, of course, this is going also on in France and the rest of the, uh, the Christian princes' empires. Well, and it was so, brought, to Britain, uh, brought to Britain by the Dutch Jews. Yes. All that comes out of Amsterdam, because that's where it started when they kicked them out of Spain. So many of them went up to Amsterdam. That's your East India Trading Company. That's the start of central banking. That's the start well, of insurance. All that came yeah. out of that. 
and storefront prostitution. Well, well I, I don't know about that. Well, this is, <laughs> you know, it's it's a it's a big deal. It's a big deal because uh, I'm I'm doing like a four part series on this, and I've done one part, and it's the part we're talking about right now. Where can we find? Well, what's it? happening? It, it, people. Uh, we're gonna, we're gonna, well, you can actually pick it up over at Grizz's. Uh, it's on, Dave Scorpio and I are doing it. Good, thank but, you. Uh, you can see, you, you can get the first episode over at, uh, Grizz, Grizz, uh, Grizz's site. But it, what's, what's really interesting here. Let me just give that on air for Is that if you start, are, if you start in the year, Grizzum. if you start in the year 1500. Okay. Yeah. I just want to get that on air. Say again, Mark. Say again. Grism.blogspot.com. Yeah. Uh, what you find, if you, if, you, if you put a dot on the year 1500 and you draw a little circle around it and go back to about 1475 and go forward to uh, 1525, here's what you find. You find you're in the period of enlightenment. You're in the period of the Inquisition. You're in the period of the uh, 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 Renaissance, Reformation, Inquisition, uh, King Henry VIII, and uh, and usury being reintroduced, and and it's no accident as as, as and as well. You're out of this out of this Renaissance period. It starts earlier but goes on. There's two Renaissance periods. This is the first one. You get science. 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 And science is being used as part of this enlightenment and ascension of man mm-hmm. and this, this uh, philosophy and doctrines of science. And... Um, Was that the same this time only frame? accelerates. Was that the time frame when Newton yeah. lived? Uh, going forward, going forward, yeah, up up, up into uh, uh, up towards uh, more closer to up to the 1600s. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this said, is an ongoing period. It doesn't it doesn't happen it doesn't happen just at once. No, it's like right. it's like what's happened here in this country. It's taken over 200 years to yeah. get us to get it to this point. Right. You know, uh, and and people cannot see the process. Uh, they, they, because they keep looking for events. They can't see the process because uh, I'll go back to what, you know, Roger and a lot of us here have talked about over the years. You don't understand the concept if you're talking about people and events. You don't get it. You you keep reacting to p- people uh, and events. Them big-headed you have ideas. To, you, have to, you, have to, you have to get a hold of their big-headed ideas. Uh, and... Uh, I'm sorry, you can't. You can't spend all your time watching cars go left in a circle and watching football and do it. You can't do it. Can't we uh, watch at least a little? Uh, I'm not saying you have to. You can. You, would you, is it? Is it your God? Well, no, it's my escape. <laughs> do you idle? It's you an know. escape to get away from. Okay. Well, see, that's bit. that's different. You know, that's that's different. You know, that's different. Everybody has to. Everybody. I hope everybody has an escape. You know, for uh, periods of the time, but has it? Is it your idol? No. Do you worship it every day? Do you go to sleep at night, wake up thinking about it, 
And is it all you can talk about? Only during you Alabama know, week. Then it's your idol. Uh, yeah. Well, I, uh, I, I, I leave it. I leave that to those those other people. You know, but it, well, I you know, it, it's the, important. I defer to the first it's commandment. Important. Do, do what now? Yeah. Who's the female translator? Thank you, Money. Yeah. This is Annie. Yeah. Hey, Annie. What was Annie, your comment? I defer to the first commandment. If anybody thinks there's anything other than God, then there's something wrong. Yep. You got to put. Should have no yep. other gods before me. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, I, you know, um, it, it uh, choices have consequences, you know, and, and uh, you know, I uh, I spend time uh, walking my dog, and uh, sometimes I even uh, do other things uh, than what we're talking about here. But you know, and it, so everybody needs a diversion. Okay, well, I'm not going to argue that, but uh, you got a problem if it's pornography. Is that your diversion? Hope not. Okay. Well, then you got a problem. Okay, you're not. <laughs> and of course, uh, that that's a huge problem in the in this world, uh, in this country, and particularly uh, the male population here. Hey, so, Roger. Uh, that's yeah, Marka. I Go just ahead. wanted to tell you that um, the word that you were looking for, thanks, Daryl, um, for the the word that you were looking for in Spanish is morder, biting. Okay. And um, for indenture, I looked for indenture, like in Spanish, what Bob was defining, and it's it's contracto. Oh, well, there you go, contract. Yeah. Interesting. Daryl, Roger. Yes. I'm feeling some sort of way. I mean, I think it's evil. What these people have done for centuries. Oh, yeah. Millennium. And it's European. I mean, with my background, I don't know any other civilization that would do this. We'll try going back to Babylon. Kazaria. Yes. Yeah. Okay, and it was is this Nadine. Uh, Nadine, here, here. What I'd like for you to do: Have you heard? Yeah. And it's on. It's on the archives, and it's February the twelfth of the archives. I haven't got to it. Yet. Okay, well, I you need to go back. To you need to go back and listen to that, and it's for the rest of the audience too. There, there's two other interviews that I put in the archives in that weekend before Valentine's Day intentionally, so I could always remember it. Okay. And the one on Saturday, the 12th, is the history of Jewish slavery. It's about a 30-minute audio from a video that David Duke produced that takes this all the way back to Babylon. It shows you from 2,000 years how these same people have been the slavers. And, I mean, the the, the one that right. – there was one that was endorsed that controlled all the slavery in Europe, Nadine. Okay? So we're talking about the same influence, and it goes way back before Europeans. All right? And the other one, by the way, the next day on the 13th is an excellent, excellent talk by Allison Weir with, I don't care how much you've studied, you're going to hear stuff in there you've never heard before because she is the consummate researcher, Allison Weir. So February 12th, David Duke, February 13th, Allison Weir in the archives. I'd suggest everybody listen to those two. Go ahead, Daryl. Hey, 
Can I interrupt yeah. just for a second? Well, I, I just want to address. Yeah, Comer. I just wanted to say about APAC because that comes up all the time and people think it means political action committee, just like it does everywhere else, but it doesn't. It means public affairs committee because political action committee would be illegal, you see. So anyway, everywhere, you, you know, no. I've seen it. I try to contact them and then they change it. And Allison Weird was one of them. They had a front page uh, Jimmy Carter talking about it, right? So they, they fixed that. <laughs> and E. Michael Jones... You know, so people, you know, we just got to be, they're so slimy. You got to be sharp. Yeah, you have to be. Uh, and and those, there's not many sharper than Murr. I just want to address something Nadine said, and uh, I appreciate she said it because it, it represents, uh, Nadine tripped over in her comment, she tripped over exactly something that's hiding in plain sight. And I want to thank you, Nadine, for doing it. I'm not even sure you know what you did. She said, uh, you refer to uh, this European uh, society of people. Uh, and I, I, I love it that you said it that way. You're talking about, you're identifying white people. I love it. Because what, you, what you've done is you've exposed something here. When, when, when other white people, this is, this is what's happening in front of you in real time right now, uh, all through your lives, all through your lives, even your parents and grandparents. When they saw Jews, they saw other white people. Right. And when Nadine sees Jews doing this stuff, you know what she sees? White people. White people. How about Kyle Rittenhouse? And they're not. That killed three Jews, they're, but the Jewish media said they were white. Originally, he said he killed blacks. And when they couldn't disprove that, they said they hide the Jews behind the whites. You don't hear them separating the Jews from the whites in the Kyle Rittenhouse incident, do you? Just like they this is, hide. See, this, is, this is just a. Just like right. they hide behind the real Jews. They're not the real Jews, though. No, they're Jews. not. They're not. Well, they uh, are, that's, that's a whole well, other conversation. Their Revelation but, 2 and 3, 9 <laughs> spells it out real, pl- real yeah. plainly from Jesus' mouth. Yeah. I just want to I just want to stay focused. I want to stay focused here for just a minute on what the deception is. When white people see Jews, they see a reflection in the mirror bouncing back at them, which is the guilt. Okay. Oh, what's white people? We be bad. And then when 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 the when the black black people or other races, uh, you know, it, it doesn't matter, Hispanics, Asians, whatever, uh, uh, they they see the Jews doing these things, and they see white people. Right. This is this is sorcery. Okay. This is actually magic in front of your face. Correct. And this is why they can't be identified. Correct. Okay. <clears throat> and it's really important because this is this is done every day. And you know, is uh, you this, have to. Does this not it, bring in the accuracy yeah. of Cliff High's statements identifying them as the identity stealers? That's the first time I ever heard anybody refer well, to them as that. Yeah. And boy, is that accurate! Well, well, well it's his identity. Well, I, I mean, I listen, listen. Uh, I, I know you like Cliff a lot. I'm not going to knock him, but he's a little late to the game. Well, I, because, I'm just saying uh, that particular what, description was yeah. very accurate. I'd never heard. No, it no, it's been that. used. It's 
been used it's been used before he's he's not unique in that okay and and if you go uh uh well <laughs> crazy you know there's another book it's called the jews of kazaria it took me a long time to get this book and on page 102 it talks about the jewish rahadnites the jewish what? and they were identity Rahadnites. Rahadnites. This has been Rahadnites. Rahadnites. They were in charge of the Silk Road. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, the merchants uh, of the earth. It, it, it wasn't all those. They they were the Rahadnites, and they were they were identity stealers. And it's it, it says it right here in the book. They would steal identities oh, or identity God. stealers. What was the book again, Darrell? Uh, but. Uh, the Jews of Kazaria by Kevin Allen Brook. Okay. And uh, this book is uh, circa uh, cop- uh, publication is back in uh, uh, 99, 1999. It's, it's, it's kind of uh, academic, uh, but it's, it's a real good book. So, um, yeah, the, the mask is coming off these people for it those sure that, is. you know. To have tuned their, tuned their, uh, <clears throat> you know, so yeah, I mean, Nadine's uh, makes a very good point, you know, uh, they're not the real Jews. Well, the real Jews aren't even Jews. Okay. They're, right. <laughs> they're Judean, Judahite. So, you know, you ask them, you know, you ask these people if you could actually have a conversation without them screaming at you. And, uh, you say, well, you know, so you're, you're a Jew. Well, tell me what tribe you're from. Of course, I mean, if you can call yourself a Jew, then you also know what tribe you're from. Are you, were you the tribe of Dan or what, what tribe are you from? Okay. Well, they can't tell you. Tell me about your, tell me about your tribe and your people and when they were in bondage. They can't. All right. Uh, ask them, are you a Judean? They can't. Well, why did they put this cloak on? So why they can hide. They so they can hide. And fool people just like they're hiding behind the Orthodox Jews, the Reformed Jews. Just so like they can they're steal hiding. your hereditament. Right. So they can steal, lie, cheat, all the stuff they do. Murder. Yeah. The psychopaths. Okay. Uh, and and a psychopath. You can always tell when you're dealing with a psychopath because they show no shame. Uh, a psychopath is not ever ashamed of what they do. They have no conscience. Okay, and this is, but this this has been this has been normalized uh, throughout our society. We uh, people who aren't even uh, Jewish, <laughs> you know, in any aspect, have been Judaized because we have a a, a a society now that is sociopathic, which is you know learns psychopathy. Yes, and. Uh, and, and so this is how you know that you've been Judaized, you've been inculcated, indoctrinated uh, with their sensibilities, and that's why that's why, why you um, uh, have no conscience or shame when you uh, you're involved in usury. Okay, you you know most Christians don't want, don't even want to know that usury is against God's laws because. Then I, then that would be judging, wouldn't it? See, they, <laughs> you know, uh, it, none of this gets fixed until that's fixed. 
We've just been indoctrinated. Boy, is that an understatement. I, I understand. Yeah. 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 And what so, about all those other countries the, in the world? What, they what, were indoctrinated yes, with this European culture. Exactly. It's exactly yes, ma'am. right. Yes, ma'am. You're exactly but right. It's no argument Jew- here, but Nadine. Nadine. <laughs> it's a it's a Jewish driven culture that is hiding behind whites. Now they get a lot of white participation. They get Asian participation. They get black participation. Look at that general that's running the military. Okay, he's a black guy. All right, he's in with them thick as thieves too. All right, he's the one that's proffering this war in Ukraine. Is that guy? spearheading it for them so but mainly it's this ancient cabal babylonian theories that have been progressing over all this time that have now taken over the whole world virtually with the exception of a couple of countries hey roger there's gary hold on gary hey gary yeah i just wanted to add that uh the people have been taught that when Jesus Christ came, he did away with the law. I mean, that teaching's been around forever. But that's a misrepresentation of what the New Testament actually says. He came to fulfill the law, which right. means we still should be following the law. And if you go read the Bible, it tells you not to use usury. It tells you a whole bunch of good stuff about what you're talking about. So. Right. Right, Daryl don't know. You know, Thanks, you know how the, how usury got back into the Christian community, Nadine. John, how is that? John Calvin, who who it's who had Jewish roots. It's it's said Calvinism. He's the one that let usury back in. Roger, yeah. Calvin was a Jew. Uh, Peter Hammond has documented evidence that he was a Jew. Okay. So anyway, that's where it got. It had been outlawed. That's how it got back in was his writings, Nadine. I just want to interject that uh, um, the Jewish, it's illegal in their Talmud to uh, have usury against their own people. That's correct. But... Completely legal against everyone else. Yep, it's weaponized. But you contract into it. Yes, you do. But you contract into it. Well, it's legal to kill and steal non-Jews. Well, it's like it's completely Goyim. legal for Goyim. The um, the the mentor to yeah, the Goyim. Well, now hold on. That, um, Go ahead. That uh, that uh, that in the Bible it says. Um, it's that what it really means is that to covet a slave, um, that that um, what do you say? Okay, man. That it's all, that in the Bible it says you can't covet somebody else's slave, but it's okay to have slaves. He said that in his uh, most recent video. I said he's the the mentor to Klaus Schwab, who's the WEF World Economic Forum. Um, you know, big guy. Well, they consider it their heredi- their hereditament enslave us. Roger, Gary. It's their property, and we're not supposed to covet our neighbor's property. 
Gary. Yeah, Roger, if you study the first part five books of the Bible, which they call the Torah, correct, you'll find out you'll find out that they have taken the spot of true Israel, which they are not, and they use the laws against what they call the Goyim, which is true Israel. Right. So they've just just like they do on everything else, they've inverted everything. They just they just flip stuff. Yep. Like their father the devil. John eight forty four. Yep. Okay. Daryl we in slavery inter- slavery in the Bible, every seven years they were set free. And that yeah, was the same thing. And it was the same now. And it was yeah, the same the thing that Daryl was saying about the bond servants. If they worked seven years they could get out of it. There's that's seven years again back to slavery. Hey, if you'll uh if you'll coordinate or plot out the dips and highs and dips in the uh stock market over the last hundred years, guess what you see? You see a seven-year cycle. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, uh, Daryl, were you going? We got off on, on a bunch of questions and comments. Did you want to finish up on where you were? Oh, I, uh, <clears throat> I just, I just observed that it it pretty well came around full circle, and and everybody else finished it up. It it ties all back into the feudal system, conversion, conveyance, and contract. And uh, and presumption, and I I thought it was just a wonderful conversation, and thank you everybody for uh, playing the ancient pledge. Well, it's important. <laughs> it's important that we have a grasp yeah. of the historical development of this. If not, you know, you don't know where the roots of it are, and you can't look back on stuff and and validate your current situation and thinking and what we talk about here. It just adds all the color and background in the world to your understanding. Yeah, well, you you couldn't ask for a better bunch of people to have this conversation. Yeah, that's, Somebody that's said sure. something there. Yeah, it was Samuel. I sort of had a question. Um, my understanding of those Radnite dudes is they uh, they were multilingual. They probably spoke the entire Silk Route language chain. They set it up, but they were based in Spain, as I read. Is but they're they're pretty murky on what the real history of them is. Is it is that true? Uh, well, they they had uh, you know like they they ran the whole length of the uh, Silk Road from uh, you know China all the way to England, actually. Uh, but but no not no one of them would have actually you know started in China and you know did a did a convoy or a trip all the way to England. Okay. So they, they, uh, they had a, um, uh, you know, a cartel, you know, a network of them that, that operated with each other, uh, for centuries. Um, and, uh, one of the, one of the things that really took down their, um, their, their system uh, was uh, uh, Russia <laughs> right <laughs> uh, the the uh, the origins of the czars uh, pretty much shot it down and uh, and they they had a grudge 
And they destroyed. Uh, this is, this they is came, all the way back. They came down and destroyed Kazaria and broke it up, and that's where all these Ashkenazi Jews went into Eastern Europe. That was the progress of events there. <clears throat> that's why they hate Russia to this day. Yeah. Well, they have a lot of reasons to hate uh, the Rus, uh, which is what that was originally Correct. Uh, founded on. But uh, so I, I can't honestly say that uh, to your question, Samuel, that they, as I, and I, maybe it's because I don't remember, um, that they came directly or their their headquarters was in Spain. Uh, it, uh, it, it has, I'm sure that they were present there without question. Yeah. Um, but um, the uh, the Rahadnite, Rahadnites uh, were uh, a a Babylonian. Uh, they they worshipped uh, Babylon. They were Babylon worshippers. <laughs> okay, um, and they they operated on, on the principles of Babylon. And of course, that's what we see emerging from behind the veil now. Is you're seeing Babylonianism, right? And uh, all all around us, uh, in uh, in that uh, it's the Babylonian contract system. Everything has been merchandised, uh, child sacrifice, blood sacrifice. uh, You know. uh, it, it, you don't you don't have to have a statue of Moloch and screaming children to be, to be thrown into fire to recognize that abortion is child sacrifice and that you know, what you've lived through for the last two years the euthanizing of the planet and sterilizing of it is a blood sacrifice. Right. That that all the wars, the World War One to the Civil War, were all oh, blood sacrifices thing. for mammon. And exactly what, and exactly what, in the service of mammon and usury, exactly what uh, E. Michael Jones describes in Chapter Four. Okay, this. So if you if you are if you are a personage driven person or an event driven person, you won't see the big picture. And this is why this is why they have to have control of the narrative and uh, the context of the content, the timelines. And and the disinformation and the best way to apply disinformation to history is to is to leave stuff out. Yeah. Which is why if you read White Cargo or, or They Were Slaves, these authors put it back in so that you actually get the context so you can follow the thread. You can follow the narrative. You know, like when you're on I guess, you know, the social media stuff, which I don't do, Twitter, chat and all this other stuff. There's a thread. There's a thread in there, right? They call it the thread. Well, take if 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 you get somebody sharp like Murr who can go in there and and edit the thread, she could make it sound almost like anything she wanted to. Not that she would, but she see she's sharp enough to do that. Okay. Well, this is what they've done with history, and and all the 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 school syllabuses, the curriculums, uh, for uh, since uh, uh, 1906. Uh, have been uh, cleared through uh, the uh, uh, British Toynbee House. All the American, you know, they, they, that's another one they leave out. Okay, the the school programs in in, in the United States since 1906 have uh, in in Rockefeller and Carnegie uh, 
went forward with a uh, a narrative that was uh, cleared through British intelligence at Toynbee House. <clears throat> Arthur Toynbee. Okay, and and he's a Fabian. And so what you're experiencing here, let me, let me, let me I got, I got a couple minutes here. I can do this quick, Roger. What, what you're experiencing here is you call it, you keep calling it communism and it ain't. Communism comes in by revolution. This hasn't been a revolution. Communism comes in quick. It comes in with, uh, a physical revolution. This is what, this is what Lenin does. This is what, uh, <clears throat> Marx, uh, promoted. He wanted revolution. And in some places you've seen revolution. You saw it in South America. This is where they bring they bring uh, a communist revolution for the creation of what? Not communism. Socialism. Socialism. They use communist revolution to create socialism. Uh, on the converse side of that, you've been you now live in a, a socialist society, but there wasn't a communist revolution. You had a Fabian conversion since the late 1800s with the Fabian model used to create socialism, and you didn't see the change generationally in, in enough degree to affect it. Okay, so what, what you're experiencing now is the end result of Fabianism. Uh, uh, whoever said that, please do inject me. Uh, well, well, I, I, there was a, in the early 1920s, there was a um, important like doctor who said that you should not um, engage with your children. You should let them be independent. And there was an early psychological study that showed where um, um, they had a caged a monkey that looked like a mom and had a little like nipple or whatever and the the monkey babies were you know taken care of by this cage by this um uh, effigy of a mom and those babies weren't unable to care for their children right because they didn't know how right. and that that was like a huge psychological thing in the early i think 1920s or 30s and so i remember growing up that we didn't hug much and it's like i love to hug now yeah. it's like yeah. but but it was a psychological thing. And who was the next extension of that was Dr. Spock. In the where, when did he write his book in the 50s? Well, yeah. 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 60s somewhere Yeah. Well, right. he they well, he built he built his, you know, he built his uh, a lot of his principles off of Freud too. So sure. there was an ongoing ongoing process. You know, the the important thing is is that you train you train the parents, and now the parents are now training their children. That's the beauty of it, and that's how it how it goes. So, um, hey guys, I'm in if, if you're complaining about the present generation, you have to look at the previous one. Yep. Who was the guy wanting to inject something there? This is Abram. I, I just want to mention for people listening, uh, Fabianism is a fancy word. You know, it's uh, for gradual change. So Fabian socialism is when they very slowly just keep moving the needle, right. just a little bit. So it's it's you know you notice it, and people don't like it when it happens, but it's not enough to cause a, a revolt or or to get people out in the streets. And, and where so did they, they where did they get the term Fabian? Uh, I think the guy's name is Fabian. No, that's, they got it from a Roman general named Fabius. 
No. Oh, okay. It's not. I think that's right. I, I have yeah, the question. He, he, he used, All right, hold on. Was, let's, let's get Nadine here before you run out of time. Nadine, what's your question? Well, where is Babylon? Because I've heard Iraq, Washington D.C., no, London, and and the um the Vatican. Well, the Vatican, yes. Um, well, technically, Babylon was over in Iraq, Iran area. Um, for Thank those you. of you who want some background on this, over on my website, SovereignToSurf.com, there's a uh, right to the right of the picture, there's some reference stuff there. We talk about them occasionally here. There's a book called Historical Jurisprudence that was written in the 30s and published through John Hopkins. And the first 90 pages of that is on the Babylonian Merchant Code. If you want some background on Babylon, that's easy reading. Go read those 90 pages, and you'll know more about it than almost everybody. Okay. For whatever. Well, Nadine, it's really it's it's important. Nadine, it's important to realize that that the uh, the Scottish Rite and uh, the Illuminati and uh, and almost all the secret societies, uh, at one level or another, uh, are based upon Babylonian uh, systems, Babylonian worship and systems, rituals, uh, Babylonian and Egyptian. Yep. Okay. And so Babylon, Babylon is wherever it's practiced. It's practiced right here. It's practiced in your local communities. Hey, Babylon. Nadine, how about this? If you go to Strong's Concordance, Babylon is confusion. See any confusion anywhere? Oh, yeah. Well, you know what? Uh, ba- it's all over the world. Yes, it is. Great was the fall of her uh God says in Revelation 18, yep. great, what's her fault? Yep. And uh, it's all over the world. Well, you may be right on the front end of their fall yes, right now. Okay. Yeah. Samuel? You, you got a couple of minutes. You better get it in quick. Samuel, you're being hailed. Are you there? Okay. No, yeah, I think he does that. Well, he may be doing something. Well, since we're since we're talking about symbology here, real quick, I want I, w- I want to identify the red dragon. Okay, so in in Revelation and the red dragon, not the beast, the red dragon. The red dragon is the city of London. I make that make that perfectly clear. The the red dragon is the city of London. Uh, Can you cite your authority from, on that? Uh, yeah, I I have no problem citing that authority. Maybe one of the single best books I've ever had the opportunity to read, and it's called Great Red Dragon by Wolfolk. He writes this book in eight. He writes this book in eighteen. Say uh, again. Is that the ra- the the dragon in uh, Revelations twelve? Yeah. yeah, the dragon, not the beast. The dragon. It's co- the book is called Great Red Dragon: Lundy Money Power, written by L. B. Woolfolk, 
1890. Yikes. He nails it. Red Dragon. 1890, he's got this figured out. 1890, he's got it figured out. He goes through not only the economy, but he goes through the eschatology as well. If you can find it, I highly recommend it. Samuel. Samuel, are you there? I, yeah. I heard him. I heard going him. Going once, going twice. I'm here <laughs> if you can hear me. There he is. What was that term you used? Radnist dudes? Radnite. Radnite. Can you spell it? Can one of you spell that? Because the pronunciation yeah. were a bit different. Go ahead, Samuel. Me? You got it, Samuel? No, I got it here. I don't. I don't you have it. it? No. I got it. Well, well, you got uh, it. Jewish Radnite. I, I, it's, it's, here it is. R-A-D-H-A-N-I-T-E. Rad. Okay. Had. Right. Oh, redhead. That's the first time I've ever heard of that today, by the way. Well, any, anyway, Samuel, the redhead dudes, um, cover yourself up for God's sake. Your California is showing. <laughs> yeah. Not Florida? I, I think these guys uh, had, this, had the ancient knowledge, like from Hermes and Nimrod. Some. No doubt. We're a little saner in Florida, Mur. I'm, I'm, I think. Well, I'm just saying it's a peninsula. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, the, your uh, Red Dragon archive, uh, it's in the chat. Okay. Well, we're about to run out of time here. So, uh, Daryl, thanks for joining us with that good background, good information. Everybody else, I thought we had a productive show today. Uh, and there's a couple things I didn't get to cover. Did y'all... Here, see the tweet by that uh, uh, by that Jew bastard. Now I can't think of his name. That comes from Maryland about the reason they're fighting Russia as a jihad because they were the last social and Christian nation left on Earth. Raskin. Yeah, Ra- Raskin. He said, he said it's not a war. His statement on the tweet or where, wherever it was, it's not a war. This is not a war. This is a jihad. Those are his words. Okay. And no, no. struggle. So does no, mine it's, it's a it's a mitzvah. It's a mitzvah.